Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune for this special broadcast as Zion Travailed. We're going to delve deeply into Isaiah chapter 66 and Revelation chapter 12 as it pertains to Bible prophecy. And this seems to be a point of contention with I and I guess the rest of the Christian ministries going around, on the internet especially. But ladies and gentlemen, I've also had some of the locals make reference to me about it, even in the grocery store. Now, they had no idea what or who I was. They were just making small talk. And I'll tell you a little bit about some of that small talk. Yesterday... I met a woman that stated that uh, she had never seen it this bad. I didn't know what she was talking about. Well, what do you mean? You see them harvesting all the wheat, right? I said, well, yeah, I'm used to them doing it. She said, no, they're not harvesting it. They're bailing it for straw. And I said, Really? She goes, yes, this is the first time this has ever happened in my life. And I stepped back a minute. Well, what's the problem? Well, we've only had two inches of rain since April, she stated. And she said, going all the way back to the Dust Bowl, uh, this has never happened. We do lose crops occasionally to hail. Some fields are zeroed out. She said, never has the entire crop been lost from drought. Now that really did bother me. Then I had another conversation with someone else on the topic that in the hospitals they had ran out of beds for psych wards because, and I do quote, we're having a suicide epidemic. Ladies and gentlemen, if we do go anywhere, I pray to the Lord, my God, it is nothing but the hollow of his hand in which we wind up. That is neither here nor there. I think that all of us have this gut feeling that somebody is getting ready to pull the trigger on that start gun. Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Let's ride.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. It is good to be with you tonight as we talk about Isaiah chapter 66 and Revelation chapter 12. Boy, it is all over uh, the news, this great American eclipse. It is said that it is the most publicized event for an eclipse ever. Uh, I did some scans, and I found some really interesting things. Even churches are having events you can buy tickets for to come watch the eclipse there. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? When we take a look at these two chapters in the Bibliodiciacy, There's no way around the simple fact that these two chapters are linked together, even by way of footnotes. Well, depending on which Bible you look at, ladies and gentlemen, but you'll catch the cross-references there in the Scripture, no matter which one you're looking at. Now take, for example, the uh, New American Standard Bible has verse 7 referenced directly to Revelation chapter 5. And that is incredibly important. Directly tied to there, we will certainly be taking a look at that verse. So ladies and gentlemen, we need to come to grips that these two chapters are linked. We also need to realize that prophetically... There are 66 chapters in the Bible, and every biblical mechanic knows that each one of those chapters represents a book in the Bible. So when you step back and really look at it in that light, you begin to realize why, why there would be references to the book of Revelation here in this chapter 66. So it's absolutely amazing that some people out there have actually misquoted the scripture using the Greek, saying that things came here in the Greek when they did not. But that's beside the point. No need to even mention those points. We're going to talk uh, tonight purely about the scripture, and let me give a heads up. Clinton and I did a broadcast entitled The Dead Rise First Theory, The Great American Eclipse, and The Revelation 12 Sign. I made mistakes in that broadcast, and for future posterity, I have corrected the episode. However, just so a record can be made of this wrong, I've kept the audio file to what I removed. And I uh, am also putting it to transcript what uh, was removed. <clears throat> so, uh, everybody will be able to take note of what happened, uh, how it happened. You'll be able to know, but I will put up uh, the corrected audio probably tomorrow, I am thinking. Um, I will be able to get to that tomorrow. I 
have isolated the audio and did all that stuff because I did not want the bride to have anything to do with it. I wanted it to be uh, solely on my back. So with that in mind, uh, that's exactly uh, what I've done to the best of my ability. I have <clears throat> isolated it, removed it, you know, corrected it, all that good stuff, and I up forth with. We have someone on the switchboard. Let me check and see who it is. Who knows? This could get interesting. Caller, you are on the air. Can you politely introduce yourself, please? Yeah, it's me. If you got me properly here. Yep, I've got you. Uh, you had to yeah, call in with the phone, huh? Yep, waiting for the computer to restart, of course. It had to have a great big old Windows update. So figured at least in the meantime while it's doing this for the next who knows how long, I'll call in on the phone for the time. All right, well, Brian, what's your... What's your thoughts on Revelation chapter 66? You and I have talked about it before. Of course. You mean Isaiah? Uh, <laughs> yes, Isaiah chapter 66. Sorry. There I go again. Make mistakes again. Boy, I'm glad Bry is in the saddle tonight to uh, <laughs> keep me in the saddle. I keep trying to fall out of it. But we've talked about Isaiah 66 many times. Um, and actually, ladies and gentlemen, you can go all the way back to the beginning of our recordings this ministry exclusively uh, has put forth uh, a prophetic timeline wrapped around that very chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 12. So we have talked about almost that more than anything else, especially in relationship to uh, the riddle of the wives three and everything else. I mean, we've talked about that chapter extensively, but Brian, what's your... What's your general thoughts on Isaiah 66 as it's put up to Revelation chapter 12? Well, there's definitely massive correlations with 12, but there's also, I'd say even beyond that, there's correlations all over with the book of Revelation, which you know, we've spoken of at length several times. Um, well, I guess in the past with shows that are no longer available, but nonetheless, you know, when I did a quick glance through this last night at lightning speed, uh, there's, you know, there's stuff in here that I've seen people repeat over and over and over again concerning the birth of Israel and trying to tie it into this prophecy. And how do I put this lightly? Not really the case. Well, I'd say that was an understatement. Um, and let me do this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, people try to relate 66 you know, to this uh, birth of the Jewish nation. But, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just take note of some of the things that are said here in this chapter concerning Zion. Uh, things said here that really uh, are kind of off the charts in the Hebrew when you look at it. Uh, it kind of don't make sense. Uh, 
Verse 8, as soon as Zion travailed, she also brought forth her sons. Now, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> once you get into Bible prophecy, you really come to the realization pretty early on, if you're not just studying Revelation, if you study the prophets like you should first, you realize that Zion is, of course, the throne room of God. So when you put that into context, you realize he is obviously talking prophetically about the daughters of Zion. And nobody, uh, you go out there and you want to uh, get the uh, hum-dub about these things. Where's the event horizon to the daughters of Zion? Ladies and gentlemen, that is 2 Kings chapter 19 and the rise of the mighty Sennacherib, the Assyrian. Now take note, I'm, I'm going to go over some things so you all know. Uh, Sennacherib is the exact alphanumerical calculation in the Bible as the one he was worshipping. Nisroch, it's the same exact alphanumerical calculation. You're, you can put that in your back pocket as we talk about this. And we're not going to go too much into biblical mechanics, but it's very important that you know that where is the daughter of Zion established in Scripture? A lot of people say, oh, well, that's the way of sorrow's prophecy. That's straight from Jesus' mouth. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you should know that the event horizon for that was the first invasion of the Assyrian. I will read it. Second Kings chapter 19 and... Uh, we'll start with verse 20. We can, uh, I think we'll read it out of the New American Standard Bible this time. We've been doing a whole lot, and all the breaks are KJV, so we'll just do this, hear this. Then Isaiah the son of Amos sent Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard you. This is the word that the Lord has spoken against him. She has despised and mocked you, the virgin daughter of She has shaken her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem, whom you reproached and blasphemed, and against whom have you raised your voice and haughtily lifted up your eyes against the Holy One of Israel. Through your messengers, you have reproached the Lord. You have said, with my many chariots, I came up to the heights of the mountains, to the remotest parts of Lebanon, and I will cut down its tall cedars and its choice cypresses, and I entered its farthest lodging place, its thickest forest. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you all realize what exactly Sennacherib was threatening here. If you know anything about what's perched prophetically of those cedars, you know exactly what he's talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sennacherib literally threatening the host of heaven. Now, if you want to uh, do further research on that, you will find uh, the very colorful birds in the top of those cedars of Lebanon. Verse 24. 
I dug wells and drank foreign waters, and with the sole of my feet I dried up all the rivers of Egypt. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's a pretty bold statement. But prophetically, I'll give Sennacherib one thing. He was saying exactly what he needed to say for me to be able to see what is to come. Verse 25. Have you not heard? Long ago I did it from ancient times. I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass that you should turn fortified cities into ruinous heaps. <clears throat> Therefore their inhabitants were short of strength. They were dismayed and put to shame. They were as vegetation of the field and as a green herb, as grass on the housetops is scorched before it is grown up. But I know you're sitting down, and you're going out, and you're coming in, and you're raging against me. Because of your raging against me, and because of your arrogance has come up to my ears, therefore I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips, and I will turn you back by the way which you came. Then this shall be a sign for you. You will eat this year what grows of itself. In the second year, what springs from the same? And in the third year, sow, reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. This surviving remnant in the house of Judah... We'll again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what just came out of the Lord our God's mouth was so prophetic. He told me exactly what I needed to understand about those children and where they're going. He just explained to me in great detail with one verse, the entire book of Obadiah, and Revelation chapter 14, verse 31. For out of Jerusalem will go forth a remnant, not of Mount Zion's survivors. The zeal of the Lord will perform this. Therefore, says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he will not come into the city or shoot an arrow there. He will not come before it with a shield or throw up a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, by the same he will return, and he shall not come to this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians, and when the men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. It came about, as he was worshipping in the house of Misroch, his god, that Adramelech and Shalarezer killed him with the sword. And they escaped into the land of Erech. And Asheradon, his son, became king in his place. Ladies and gentlemen, 
That's the event horizon for the biblical end-time entity known as the Daughters of Zion. That's its event horizon. Now, uh, Brian has done extensive research into this historically. So, Brian, why don't you talk a little bit about what happened to uh, Sennacherib as far as the ancient historians go, please? All right, sorry about that. Give me a moment here. Well, there is details that come up concerning Sennacherib with uh, – and Herodotus, for instance, uh, points out what took place as far as the troops that were surrounding and them getting wiped out. Uh, and – Let's see, Hezekiah's 10 steps. That one, that's a bit uh, bit complex at the moment, I would say, but nonetheless, there's a strong probability that we had a stitch in time where time itself, uh, how do you put this? Well, by 10 steps changed, and there's a lot of stuff that supports this. Not to even mention uh, varied odds and ends within the alphabet marriage within Scripture. Now, one thing um, I can't but help think about is what comes next as far as Hezekiah is concerned and the king of Babylon showing up there. When you compare that to, uh, I'd say, events that have been happening as of lately on the ground, it makes you kind of wonder. Yeah, it does. It makes you kind of wonder how this is all going to line up. But, ladies and gentlemen, we know historical references that some say that uh, Sennacherib's uh, two sons, they stabbed him and then threw down the statue on top of him, yada, 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 yada. Brian and I have talked about that at length. And it's absolutely... Amazing, like like I just shared, just so everybody knows, Sennacherib and Nistrach holds the same alphanumerical calculation. Prophetically, taking you to what? Well, of course, that infamous integer in the New Testament, the 666, giving you a hint and a clue as to what's going to go on there. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to uh, – I know I made mention of it earlier, but if you want to hear about what's in the tops uh, of those cedars of Lebanon, and prophetically everything that's, that's stated about that, this ties into Ezekiel chapter 31. The prophetic implications there are really just off the charts. So <clears throat> with that in mind… Uh, Brian, do you want to take a read of Isaiah chapter 66 with commentary as you see fit? You can stop wherever you want to and do some commentary. I can't right now. you got to wait until I can get my computer up here and running. I'm trying to get stuff going in the background here, so you're going to have to take that one. Well, I've got a better idea. Why don't we go ahead and play the break? Because the break, ladies and gentlemen, is... 
this chapter combined with Revelation chapter 12. And that sets well with my soul, so let's do that. We'll go ahead and take the break. We'll be right back in 7 minutes, 49 seconds. Chapter 66. Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. He that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrificeth a lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation, as if he offered swine's blood. He that burneth incense, as if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth in their abominations. I also will choose their delusions, and will bring their fears upon them. Because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before mine eyes, and chose that in which I delighted not. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified. But he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. A voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, a voice of the Lord that rendereth recompense to his enemies. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the birth, and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? Shall I cause to bring forth, and shut the womb, saith thy God? Rejoice ye with Jerusalem, and be glad with her, all ye that love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all ye that mourn for her, that ye may suck, and be satisfied with the breasts of her consolation, that ye may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then shall ye suck, ye shall be born upon her sides, and be dandled upon her knees. As one whom his mother comforted, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. And when ye see this, your heart shall rejoice, and your bones shall flourish like an herd. The hand of the Lord shall be known toward his servants and his indignation toward his enemies. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. They that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the midst, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, saith the Lord. For I know their works and their thoughts. It shall come that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. And I will set a sign among them, and I will send those that escape of them unto the nation, to Tarshish, Paul, and Lud, that draw the bow, to Tubal and Javan, to the isles afar off that have not heard my name, neither have seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. And they shall bring all your brethren for an offering unto the Lord out of all nations, upon horses and in chariots and in litters and upon mules and upon swift beasts, to my holy mountain Jerusalem, saith the Lord. 
as the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel into the house of the Lord. And I will also take of them for priests and for Levites, saith the Lord. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched. And they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. You're listening to the End Time Tribune. Come and see. Chapter 12 And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. Good stuff there. Very good stuff. Brian, your 
thoughts and comments after hearing those two chapters together, buddy? Well, <laughs> I think it's kind of as you just covered there a moment ago. It's, uh, well, they're shadow and silhouette of one another. And it goes well, a little bit more than that, nonetheless. But obviously, it's the two overlaying each other as opposed to what they've been trying to tell people in many of these uh circles by changing some of this to mean something altogether different so you know this is where for instance there uh like i kind of brought up before as they and many of the uh circles where they state that israel is the nation being born in a day even though you know i find it interesting what that word for nation is there in verse eight that's telling you something altogether different when you look at the word itself, isn't it? Well, that's <laughs> that's right. It is, uh, ladies and gentlemen. That's ladies and gentlemen. You you know it's it's funny when you talk to somebody uh, that truly does think that they are an expert uh, in Bible prophecy and. <laughs> You bring something like that up, and they're so stumped, it's crazy. Uh, they don't know what to say. They have no idea what to do about it. Um, it completely confuses them. Uh, but, ladies and gentlemen, that's, that is in the Hebrew tongue, goy, Gentile. There is... <laughs> No way around what this is. I mean, you can do lots of things with this in the English translation. Um, you know, can a nation be uh, bought forth all at once? But they run around and they scream to the, from the top of their lungs, this is talking about the birth of Israel. Oh, no, it's not, ladies and gentlemen. That's a lie. That's a lie. God never said that. Right here, he's talking about Gentiles. And there is no way around it. <laughs> There's absolutely no way around it. But yet, these people purport to be experts in the matter. And it really is disturbing when you really come to grips with that. Because this must mean something else altogether different than uh, what they're teaching. Now, that being the case, ladies and gentlemen, because this, this says this. No, look, I'll read it to you uh, in the most popular version. Who hath heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? And if you don't realize that he's immediately referring you back to Isaiah chapter 40, then you need to write that down right now. Write down Isaiah chapter 40. You need to take a look at that as well. Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation – that's Gentile. 
shall a Gentile nation be born at once. For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. This emphatically states that everything they have told you about this Revelation 12 sign is in fact a lie. That male child is not, and I repeat, it is not the 1948 birth of the nation of Israel. I tell you what, I dare you to go to your local rabbinic and say that 1948 was an answer to Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8. See how far that gets you. They're going to get really upset with you. With due cause. Because that's not what this verse says. Now, I want you all to go back to all those ministries, audio-visual aids, watch them again, because if they said that, they have no idea what they're talking about. Not even a little bit do they know what they're talking about. Now, I have no consolation for you if this comes as a shock to you, but you can get any translation you want to that is keyed to Strong's. They always have these in your local library for free. Always. I've never been in the library when they they did not have at least uh, one Strong's there that you could take a look at. They always do because it's labeled as a reference item. So the English translation is irrelevant. Look up and see what this says in the Hebrew. And ladies and gentlemen, it I I really am sorry that that I'm the one that's had to bring this to your attention when there's probably many tens of thousands of people that is going to listen to this that is not one of uh, this ministry's regular attendees. But I assure you, uh, that right there in that verse, just look up H1471. In this part right here, it's spelled uh, just like that. There's no altercations to it. Uh, it is goy. That, that that that's what it is. That's Gentile. That's that's what that is. Now you're gonna get upset when you do this. And then you're gonna go back to those YouTube videos or those audios and you're gonna look at how many views they had, and you're really going to get mad at the level of deception that Brian just brought up with one verse. This is just one of them. So, I'm... I know a lot of times I come across as being upset, and a lot of the listeners take that personal, that I'm upset with you personally. No, I'm not. I actually feel really afraid for you because you are not prepared for what is to come. 
because you have listened to these people. You have not been listening. Obviously, to the spirit of truth, because the spirit of truth will tell you what is to come. He's not going to lie to you. You're going to be upset, and that's what I'm upset about. Is these jokers that literally beat their own drums, literally, have endangered you by lying. They've endangered you. I'm not upset with you. I'm telling you how to do this for free. Go to the library and look up Isaiah 66 verse 8 and see if it says Israel there. See if it says, you know, I guess Judah or I tell you what. Even if it says Dan, if it mentions any of the tra- of the 12 tribes, we could make a case that well, that possibly could be the birth of the state of Israel in 1948. Because we could say, you know, we don't have the genetic data at hand, but we know that, uh, well, let's say, for instance, the tribe of Levi. We know those with the last name of Cohen. We know there's a pretty good chance that they're from the tribe of Levi. So, so perhaps it's possible that uh, it's only the tribe of Levi that has made the state of Israel. Or God could do that with any of the 12 tribes, I guess. He could pick one. But that's not what this is. Under no stretch of any imagination is any of the 12 tribes of Israel Gentile. That's the opposite, ladies and gentlemen. That's inverted. That's the opposite. You're either Gentile or you're Israeli. Israeli means any of the 12 tribes, so Jews, you know, uh, uh, Manasseh, uh, Joseph, Dan, Naphtali, anybody, any of those, you're Israeli. If you're a Gentile, you're everybody else. Eskimos, American Indians, Russians, Germans… Scandinavians, New Zealanders, so you need to look at this in Hebrew and come to grips with it. You really do. You just, you, you just have to face your fears because it, you know there's a lot of people right now that's getting very nervous. Well, if that's true, if I've been lied to about this, oh my goodness, what other kind of deceptions are at play here? So that, you know, a lot of you naturally have a flight or fight response. I hope it's not flight. Because ignoring this verse is not going to help you. And I mean it all. So it is in this instance, if you fight, just 
get upset and go to the library and if they don't have them, talk to the librarian and she will get you one for free uh, through interlibrary loan. But look at it yourself. Well, what I'm telling you is the truth. Uh, you can't get around this. Why didn't they bring up the most important things when even what did come out of their mouth, sometimes they reference this chapter with the Septuagint, they got that wrong. But this is just the standard Hebrew. There is no excuse for any biblical scholar, and by scholar I mean by self-appointment, that you could justify him getting this wrong in the Hebrew, because the Hebrew is the standard text for the Old Testament. So there is no, no excuse here for them to be outright lying to you that, by the way… Somewhere along the line, uh, God decided to change it in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8. And Gentile means Jew now. That's not going to happen. God would not do that. So, with that in mind, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, seriously, seriously... You need to realize the magnitude of this deception going around about Revelation chapter 12. Brian, further thoughts or comments on just that verse, I guess? Well, the most notable thing I have seen when I'm trying to go through, for instance, uh, Historical works and uh, even um, like documentaries concerning modern Israel and how it came about. If you happen onto, you know, usually I like, for instance, the ones where you hear the narrator, all of a sudden you've got like a southern boy or something from the United States. Lo and behold, you begin to find out that you've got inaccurate information being brought forward. They're not telling you the truth. Uh, the infamous, uh, we brought these up before, The uh, they call themselves Christian Zionists. You know, they bring forward information that is not even remotely resembling reality as far as the historical things that took place. If you could even somehow come to the concept in your mind that when Israel was declared a nation there in the League of, or I believe it was the UN at that point in time, that there was no travailing, that everything was peachy keen and it just flew through, you're deceiving yourself because everything that had transpired going from even 1897 up to 1899, going to the Balfour Agreement in 1917, moving forward up to 1948, and then never mind the fact that once they declared it in the UN, well, they were leapt on by everybody that was surrounding them all at once. The West didn't want to give them any weapons. They had to essentially get weapons smuggled through one of the side nations that was close to the Soviet Union to even survive as most of the Western world looked on and went, we're just going to leave them to their own and hope that this, uh, this situation disappears. 
So, of course, on top of an America has built this myth around the birth of Israel as being um, that we were somehow some great ally to them when that is the farthest thing from the truth. It's absolutely ridiculous, the distortions that have been brought in through, I guess I have to say most notably, well, only. It is those within the... uh, Christian circles that have been teaching stuff that is absolutely contradictory to the truth concerning what happened there in 1948. And it personally, on my end, gets to the stage where it gets very frustrating because I don't play with make-believes. You know, you have to deal with factual information concerning history if you're going to get forward anywhere. Otherwise, you come to silly conclusions such as this prophecy somehow has to do with 1948 and the declaration in the UN. And I mean, folks, if you understood what happened to happen behind the scenes, for instance, with David Ben Gurion having to basically pretty much put arms behind people's backs with blackmail to get them to even come in and do the resolution, you will come to the conclusion quite quickly that, oh, there was not any way that. This didn't come about through travail. And I mean, if you, you know, you can look at these uh, varied uh, definitions here. This is pulling it from the NASB uh, concordance or whatever we would call that dictionary. And I mean, the simple, you know, anguish. Uh, Let's see here. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things going on here. Writhe in anguish, writhe in pain, writhe, etc., And you're being told prior to that something absolutely different is going on here. And if they can get you confused through a translation or confused by not knowing your proper history, well, they can play all kinds of fun games with you. And this is personally what I've seen as been probably one of the largest issues as a whole on a continual basis these people throw something out there people don't look into it they start repeating it and this is kind of a pattern folks you know you might want to start looking into how it is they pull this off with large groups of people be it through propaganda, be it psychology, whatever it may be. But just because these people repeat something over and over and over again does not necessarily make it true. And they have specifically targeted the church in a very disturbing way. That was my additions into that portion of things. Well... You know, Brian, this has been going on for a long time. Make no mistakes about it. This has been going on for a very long time. And at least in this one instance here, no, that ain't what it's talking about. I mean, I know... Well, I know every time. Well, I know the first time this comes up in the Hebrew text, 
Well, I know all 59 times it's in the Hebrew text, but it's just funny to me that the only time this exact <clears throat> phrase, goy, is used in the Hebrew New Testament just happens to be in Revelation chapter 14. I mean, that should tell you something. I know the first time this is mentioned in the Hebrew Scripture, some translations call it, you know, put it this way, some put it that way. Um, we can read the KJV, and God said unto him, being Jacob, of course, this is when he, uh, uh, if you don't know the context, this is when Jacob is renamed into Israel. God said unto him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply, multi multiply a nation, goy, and a company of goyim shall be of thee. So he's literally saying right here that <laughs> Jacob would have goyim come from him. Of course, this is why. This is the whole reason why they call them the 12 tribes of Israel, because they're not going to be Goy. They're going to be Goyim, and only a special type of Goyim. That word uh, means company. Yukahal. That's what that word means. Okay? That's what that word is. It means an assemblage. Oh, this is the whole reason why God says over and over and over about uh, gather the congregation of Israel. That's that word being used here. Okay, ladies and gentlemen? And here, once again, it's suffixed with the yod mem, plural. So, assemblies of goyim. So there's your event horizon. Now a whole lot of other scriptures will probably make a whole lot more sense to you now. But yes, the verse right before it, just, you know, I gave it to you in context, but the verse right before that, okay, 3510, is when Jacob gets renamed. And then he's told that he will no longer be Goy, he will be a uh, congregation, well, congregations of nations, the whole reason why they're called the 12 tribes of Israel. So reason. So that really should get your attention as to what God had intended versus what you've been told here over the past um, couple of years about the Revelation 12 sign. Because that just puts the kibosh on virtually everything. Be careful when you hear someone beating their own drums. <laughs> you know what? Come to think about it, that is hilarious. That's exactly opposite what God forced me to do in the beginning of this broadcast. Now, that is funny. So let me make this – so everybody knows, make this perfectly public. I have made a record of my wrong. Made a record of my mistake. So the audio that I cut out of the show I'm going to repost, I saved it, and I sent it off to get transcribed. 
So I'm going to post the audio of what was removed with with the transcription of it so everybody will know exactly where Matthew went wrong. And what's so funny is in the very audio, twice I bear witness against myself. Twice. Twice. It's So that's how I had to start this out. So that kind of makes me feel better that God had all this plan to make me look like an idiot until I post the correction. Until I post the correction, it can be proven in a court of law I am in fact an idiot or at least very emotionally distraught to the point where my mental faculties – and I'm falling out of the saddle. So I find that I find that humorous that God has arranged for uh, that to happen. But anyway, that's what I'll do. I will try to get it up tomorrow. I'm waiting for it to be sent back for me as somebody types it up for me. But sometimes I use uh, words that are not common in the English vernacular. So sometimes they have a hard time understanding what I'm talking about. They think I'm – well, I am speaking Hebrew or Greek. So uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've at least looked into – uh, like I said, the Daughters of Zion. And I hope you realize that now this makes Revelation chapter 12 even more so important due to the Way of Sorrows prophecy that Christ the King gave. That even makes this even more important. So, You know, maybe we ought to take a look at that. Uh, oh my goodness, boy, that is that is something off the charts in itself. There, um, but the way of sorrows prophecy is important. It really is, and. Brian and I have talked about that before. We've talked about the triumphal entry. We've talked about all this stuff. But, you know, there is probably something there that all of you could really stand to look at for yourself. Everything spoken of concerning the daughters of Zion. That's what this whole thing is about so it's pretty pretty important uh, for us to come to grips with this last chapter in Isaiah let's let's talk about those uh, for just a second maybe we ought to just go ahead and read them again so Isaiah chapter 66 Let's just do uh, – let's see here. Let's do 7 and 8 and 9. Before she travailed, she brought forth before her pain 
came, she gave birth to a boy. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she also brought forth her sons. Ladies and gentlemen, this is off the charts. You'll take note that he referenced land there as well. Yes, it is Aratz. It's Aratz, ladies and gentlemen. Which you know to be the word for yes, it does mean land, but guess what? Yes, it also means earth. Because when you switch it over to the Septuagint, um, well, yeah. In agreement with that, it says earth. That's what it says. <laughs> so, with that in mind, if you don't realize that this is a direct, direct link back to the parallel apocalypse, and that should have a lot of you wondering, well, what's Matthew talking about? I've never heard these people reference that. Well, that question just posed comes pretty much directly from Isaiah chapter 26. Now, I have talked about that here, I know, within the last few broadcasts, but I'll read it for you again. And it says here, it gives it the same exact context, by the way, starting in 16. Of Isaiah chapter 24. O Lord, they sought you in distress. They could only whisper a prayer. Your chastening was upon them. So the same context. This is what is being described here. That question we just read in Isaiah chapter 66. As a pregnant woman approaches the time to give birth, she rises and cries out in labor pains. Thus, we were before you, O Lord. We were pregnant. We writhed in labor. We gave birth as it seems only to wind. We could not accomplish deliverance for the earth, nor were inhabitants of the world born. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you realize he just came out point blank and told you exactly what he intends to do. Going back to Isaiah chapter 66, I made it perfectly clear. That's why he mentioned land there, the Arats. He wanted you to see what he was really talking about, of course, was Mount Zion. There is no consternation in that. We know that's how this chapter ends. We know that's what's being – he says Zion here as soon as Zion travailed. She also brought forth her sons. Where do they go, ladies and gentlemen? That's the question. Event really happens. Where do they go? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the whole answer to the entire question about Obadiah, the 21st verse, and the deliverers mentioned there. And there, you're told how they are. 
half of that rod. Rod of iron actually takes two sticks. And if I kept reading, the very next verses was going to be about those of the first resurrection, those who are going to rule with Christ. Yes, they get to be a part of the kingdom, but they're not bridal. But here, the delivers here, it's a wonderful thing when you read it in Hebrew. <laughs> because, yes, there you can put uh, H. 3467 as deliverers uh, or saviors, the KJV puts it, but look at it in Hebrew. It is Yesha prefixed with the Mem. Okay. For Yesha, the Yod is substituted with a Volve to make a long. When you say this in Hebrew, it says Moses is. It says Moshayim. Surely everybody's heard the rabbis called, they don't call him Moses, they call him Moshe. That's what they say, or Moshe. This is literally Moses's <laughs> in a spoken form. It's Moshayim. Literally. Literally. And if you want to get to the meat and potatoes, ladies and gentlemen, you have to come to grips with that question. Okay, they went to Mount Zion. Well, where on earth does that happen? Where does that happen? Well, Revelation chapter 14. And I looked and behold, the lamb was standing on Mount Zion. You'll take note. Now he doesn't look like he's slain anymore. Before, when he gets the seven-sealed scroll... He looks like he had been slain. Let me start again. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him were who? Moshe'im. Moshe'im. That's literally what came out of God's mouth in the Hebrew, Obadiah, the very last verse. There's no consternation about who these people are. You already given a fantastic amount of information. You already told that a part of these are snatched right out of the womb. He had no problem telling you that up front. He had no problem telling you that. N not any. You know this is tied with Zion. You know this is talking about a spe special group of the daughters of Zion. And he calls them Gentiles, just so you'll know. Don't you understand that that was what he was referring to clean? We'll get back to that here in a minute. But I want you to lock into your mind, well, how is that clean? <laughs> well, let me explain. Okay, let me start again. I'm sorry about that. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him, 144,000, having his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads. So there's 144,000 Moshe'im on Mount Zion. Now, now you're going to hear people celebrating this fact, just like you were told in Revelation chapter 12. Rejoice, O heavens, for 
The serpent's gone down to the earth. But I'm interrupting God's word again. Let, let, me, let me continue. Verse, verse 2 here. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. Well, now we have a special name for these because they were purchased. Let me tell it to you again. Obadiah is pretty clear with what he said. What he said come right out of God's mouth. Moshe'im. They're Moshe'im. Now, why is it so strange that uh, these daughters of Zion's like, we gave birth to the wind. We intended to have babies, but they're gone. Well, let's read the very next verse, verse 4 of Revelation chapter 14. These are the ones who have not been defiled with women. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> For they have kept themselves chaste. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been purchased from among men as the first fruits of God and to the Lamb. Now, ladies and gentlemen, just do you a biblical study using standard methodology on the first fruits to God. And, of course, this is and to the Lamb. That's why this chapter started out with what? Ah, yes, they have two names on them. They, has, they have his name and his father's name. Don't you realize, ladies and gentlemen, this special group right here will be in the throne room of the living God for exactly 1,260 days with God the Father and with Jesus Christ as they are taught the proper mode and methodology to rule during the millennial reign of Christ. So now I hope you understand why these two sticks are so important that makes this rod of iron. Going back to Isaiah chapter 26, I said if I kept reading, you're going to read about the second half of that stick. Don't you realize, these 144,000, they don't come back with Christ. They stay in heaven. Jesus teaches them for 1,260 days. Jesus comes back. The Moshiim stay on Mount Zion with God the Father, and they come back down when? That's right. You're not going anywhere. You're not going to heaven. First, Jesus sets his, up his millennial kingdom for a thousand years, and then God comes down here just like the Garden of Eden. So if you're a part of the end times, you have no hope whatsoever of ever ascending to heaven like all of you think you're going to do. That ain't going to happen. You're not going to ascend to heaven. So, the whole purpose of this is to repair what happened at the Garden of Eden. But just so you know, ladies and gentlemen, we've already in multiple verses read to you about the other group of 144,000. And I shouldn't have to explain to you who they are. There's Absolutely no reason why I should, because uh, God is perfectly clear who they are. But but I will, I will. So you have the hundred forty-four thousand Moshiim on Mount Zion. Where's the other hundred forty-four thousand of Revelation chapter twelve or uh, Revelation chapter seven? 
are right here in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. Then I saw the thrones and they that sat on them, and judgment was given to them. When I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast nor his image and had not received the mark on their forehead or on their hand, and they come to life and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. He come right out and told you the number one qualifier for this is having not taken the mark. Well, ladies and gentlemen, don't you understand that this must be talking? It cannot be talking about anybody else in Revelation chapter 12 except the ones that are in the very last verse. All of a sudden, they have a Salah moment after the sixth seal, just like everybody else. They have a Salah moment, but it's a day late and a dollar short. Ladies and gentlemen, if I was to go back to Isaiah chapter 26, and I continued on, you could hear very plainly God tell you all about those of the first resurrection. Would you like me to do that? Because we can do it. I mean, I can even do a refresher course for you. Let's go ahead and read everything that I read before. How about that? Isaiah chapter 26, verse 16. O Lord, they sought you in distress. They could only whisper a prayer your chastening was upon them. As a pregnant woman approaches the time to give birth, she rises and cries out in labor pains. Thus, we were before you, O Lord. We were pregnant. We writhed in labor. We gave birth as it seems only to wind. We could not accomplish deliverance for the earth, nor were the, the inhabitants of the world born. That's the Moshin. Now he's going to tell us about the other 144,000. And he's going to tell us about those of the first resurrection. That's what he's getting ready to do, so get ready for it. Get your mind ready for it, because this is true. I'm, I'm reading you the truth. Verse 19. Your dead will not live, their corpses will not rise. You who lie in the dust awake and shout for joy, for your dew is as, as the dew of the dawn, and the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. Hello. Hello. And he keeps on going, and he tells you about the 1,260 days. How long you're going to have to wait. How long you're going to be protected in this place that's been prepared for you by God. In the next verse, he's going to tell you that. So listen for it. Come, my people. Enter into your rooms and close your doors behind you. Hide for a little while, while until indignation runs its course. You already know how long it's going to take to run its course. 1,260 days. For behold, the Lord is about to come out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity, and the earth will reveal her bloodshed and no longer cover her slain. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a perfect description right there. Those last two verses is everything 
That is the Great Tribulation, the last 1,260 days, as you know it. And it's plain as day. Now, all these things would be a real stretch in the English, all depending on which version you chose. But in the Hebrew and the Greek, oh, it's crystal clear. It's crystal clear. It's really obvious. Really obvious. So, Brian, your comments. I have rambled on here for, I think, a little bit too long. I can't even tell you how long I rambled on there. So, sorry if I neglected uh, your thoughts and comments there. So, jump on here now. Well, it's just mega thing important to point out here, folks, is good grief. Yeah, let's uh let's throw in here for instance, um a silly um nonsense thing I heard the other day about somebody once again bringing this this sign in the heavens coming up here and locking it into that whole rapture concept again. They grab a handful of verses, take them out of context, throw them in whatever the order they want, and all of a sudden it just turns into gobbledygook. When you go through Isaiah 66 here, starting out, you're given, for instance, let's start at verse 1, because this really is going back through what Matthew was saying anyways. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, okay, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build unto me? And where is the place that may be my resting place? For all these things has my hand made. And so all these things came to be, saith the Lord. But on that, this man will I look, even on him that is poor and contrite of spirit and trembleth at my word. We go continually over and over here through this. We come back into this verse again that we spoke of earlier once again. Well, Maybe we'll start here. This is in the uh, Tendak 19.17 version. Hark, an uproar from the city. Hark, it cometh from the temple. Hark, the Lord rendereth recompense to his enemies. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Who has heard such a thing, who has seen such things, is a land born in one day as a nation brought forth at once. For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. As Matthew pointed out, folks, Zion is, and this connotation is the heavenly throne. And what does it start out with here in the first verse? Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you may build unto me, and where is the place that may be my resting place? I think you're told a few other details that they've gotten everybody confused on, too. I mean, don't they have everybody convinced right now that they got to, you know, cause great consternation at the Dome of the Rock, just like they're doing, so that the temple 
can be built first. I mean, they're literally doing it as we speak, folks. We've covered this multiple times. And it tells you below what causes the Lord to come flying back from Zion. Brian, we read that. Go ahead. Yep. That's the event horizon for the daughters of Zion. God stated it very clearly. Exactly. That was him speaking in in 2 Kings chapter 19. He made it perfectly clear. That's why he was going to intervene. Here, let me read it again. I'll read you just a couple of verses here. Ladies and gentlemen, he's not playing with you. God said this is why he intervened. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, That which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I've heard. This is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, hath despised thee, and laughed thee to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem hath shaken, whom hast thou reproached and blasphemed? And against whom hast thou exalted thy voice and lifted up thine eye on high, even against the Holy One of Israel? Okay? Then you're told prophetically how Sennacherib was able to do all this because just like the mighty Assyrian false prophet, all of a sudden God tells you uh, things that, this don't make no sense in the next verse, but that's what God says. By thy messengers, thou hast reproached the Lord, and hast said, with the multitude of my chariots, I came up to the height of the mountains. This is Sennacherib talking. He literally just said, ladies and gentlemen, that the host of heaven were granting him request, or he was ordering them one of the two, to the sides of Lebanon, and I will cut down the tall trees thereof. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, you're supposed to know prophetically. Please, well, just read the entire book of Ezekiel. You'll find it. What's in the top of those cedars of Lebanon? And I will cut down the tall cedars thereof. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a direct threat against whom? God already told you who was threatening. I already read verse 21. He was threatening who? The virgin daughter of Zion. That's who he was threatening. Okay? Let's see here. Let me continue reading. And and by the way, God didn't say he was lying, but this is what he said. I am come up to the height of the mountains, to the sides of Lebanon, and I will cut down the tall cedars thereof, and the choice fir trees thereof. And I will enter into lodgings of its borders, and into the forest of his caramel. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, don't you... Surely all of you know the prophetic ramifications of saying that. Carmel, do you not know what that is? That means the garden of God. Don't don't you know that? 
Right here, he is literally telling you – well, let's read the next verse. I have drigged and drank strange waters, and with the sole of my feet have I dried up all the rivers of besieged places. By the way, I hope you realize that everything you know about the pyramid, the, the great pyramids of Giza and how they were going to do this and, and their pathway to the stars, how to go to heaven, that's what Sennacherib is saying here. Okay, just so you all know. But anyway, verse verse 25. And the river that he's talking about, that, that, that that's the Milky Way. Anyway… Hast thou not heard long ago how I have done it, and of ancient times that I have formed it? Now I have brought it to pass that thou shouldest be laid to waste, fenced cities, and ruinous heaps. Ladies and gentlemen, I, you know, it's amazing to me how these secular scholars that take way too much We'll be able to understand everything I just read. But the sheep today, they will intense, intently listen to the wolf's howl. And ladies and gentlemen, I've been to Wolf House before. As a matter of fact, Brian and Tiana came with me to a wolf house. We went out to – yes, ladies and gentlemen, one night we went out to Wolf Park, okay, and we got to see the wolves howl. But ladies and gentlemen, the sheep aren't supposed to listen to wolves howling. They're supposed to listen to the shepherds. And when they get way out of line, they're supposed to listen to the sheepdogs. But, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, this all got started when Sennacherib said what he said, and it really ticked God off. God was like, oh, really? Is that really what you're going to do? And he got mad because he was threatening… At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, what made God the maddest is he knew exactly what he intended to do to go in there and – oh, ladies and gentlemen. And of course, eventually God would get so mad that that's exactly what they would do when Jerusalem was sacked. They went in there and ripped the pregnant women open. But ladies and gentlemen, this is exactly what Daniel says the – False prophet, the Assyrian, is going to do. Now, I don't know how it was that all this worked out. I have no idea how Sennacherib acquired this power because that's what God said that Sennacherib said in his heart and or, or with his mouth. But God didn't call him a liar. So that should bother you that somebody has not told you that because… The Assyrian false prophet, oh, he's going to be able to do signs and wonders. <laughs> Believe you me. That's real. He's really going to do it. He is really going to do it. So I hope you all realize that this ties part and parcel as to why God said that Abraham's children would be numbered like the stars in the heavens. 
that's in direct reference to this group of children, two years and under. They're called the Moshim. And in the very next thing out of his mouth is what? And you'll be numbered like the sand on the seashore. That's the second group. Those are those of the first resurrection. You're, you're supposed to know that. But if you're too busy all huddling together and listening to the wolves howl, You need to stop listening and watching these programs about the Revelation 12 sign. And maybe you ought to read Revelation 12 and every chapter associated with that. I mean, we've gone through a lot of them tonight, but certainly not all of them. Oh, certainly not all of them. Because there's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's plenty there going on. But... The Lord says that he can do things that just shouldn't be done, but yet he doesn't. God calls him his axe for a reason. And then God says, by the way, after you do this, I'm going to destroy your land. You've even been on this very... I just read to you what happens. It happens in the book of Revelation. What happens with the Assyrian false prophet crosses the Euphrates River? It dries up. Who comes down like a hammer and destroys his land? Now, not him, but his land and the people of his land, it's trashed by the kings of the east. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you the truth. That's really what the Bible says. That, that, that really is what the Bible says is going to happen. And he just explained it to you in great detail. Ladies and gentlemen, he was saying the same thing, just phrasing it differently. Now, now look, this really is what Daniel chapter 8 uh, says. Really is what God says. I'll read it out of the King James Version. And out of one came forth a little horn, which waxed exceedingly great, toward the south, toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed even to the host of heaven. And it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground, and stamped upon them. Yea, and himself even to the prince of the host. Well, ladies and gentlemen, when does that happen? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not lying to you. Revelation comes right out and tells you that Satan hands over his authority. That's how he gets out of judgment. When everybody else is thrown into the lake of fire, Satan himself goes for a thousand years into the abyss by himself. Now you know why. There's no reason to be confused about what Revelation said. That, that's what God just told you. Anyway... Let me start again and finish the verse. I'm sorry about that. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host. And by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. 
and an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and they cast down truth to the ground and prospered. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm well, I never even got to that point where they talk about the Septuagint version of Isaiah 66, um, and they say it's got the same word, the Revelation chapter. Uh, 12 verse 5 does when not know it no no it don't and it just upsets me because I should have covered it first and covered it truthfully that's what I should have done but it's Brian it's time for you to Step in here and call me an idiot or, you know, correct me when I'm wrong or something because I have been of want uh, to do that here lately. So, Brian, what's your thoughts on that diatribe I, I gave? And uh, please correct me if I was wrong therein in my uh, delivery or attitude. Well, there is a whole string of different odds and ends you brought up here. And for Pete's sakes, folks, the way that they've twisted everybody's minds into believing so much gobbledygook is absolutely and completely ridiculous to the point where, you know, some of these some of these little videos I brought up, taking a little look at, these people are so thoroughly confused, it is absolutely ridiculous. They To the stage of, now if they can't make something fit in their mind, they just make something up. I mean, the stuff I heard out of a guy locally here, as he's once again tried to convince everybody that the rapture is going to be on the 22nd or 23rd. Literally unbelievable. And I mean, this is, uh, you know, for instance, okay, we got hand in hand, we got this eclipse happening on the 21st. Which, of course, they're throwing out the um, infamous that once again they're throwing out the whole uh, because uh, America is trying to divide Israel by trying to get the treaty to come into place that, to be thoroughly honest with the way things are sitting with the current leader that's there, that treaty's never going to happen. But they seem to claim that this, um, this treaty is, well, we're trying to divide their land, so therefore America is going to be divided because of that. Folks, look, let's be straight to the point here. Because hand in hand with this, they are bringing into your minds that a nation is judged because of everybody else besides God's people. But let's go back in here and look at verse 3 through verse 6. But he who kills an ox is like one who slays a man. He who sacrifices a lamb is like the one who breaks a dog's neck. He who offers grain offering is like one who offers swine's blood. He who burns incense is like the one who blesses an idol. As they have chosen their own ways and their souls delight in their abominations. So I will choose their punishments and I will bring on them what they dread. Because I called but no one answered. I spoke, but they did not listen. And they did evil in my sight and chose 
that in which I did not delight. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word, your brothers who hate you, who exclude you, for who, folks? For my name's sake. Have said, let the Lord be glorified, that we may see your joy. But they will be put to shame. A voice of uproar from the city. A voice from the temple. The voice of the Lord who is rendering recompense to his enemies. And yet somehow everybody, they've got you convinced that America is going to be judged because of everyone with the exception of God's people in this nation. When that's not the case, never has been, you've just deluded yourself to believe that. Somehow you've gotten in your head that these treaties on top of it are what is the dividing factor of Israel, when that's not the case either. Yitzhak Rabin, when he made the uh, deal for peace with Yasser Arafat, now, according to everybody's mindset of having this infamous seven-year treaty, why did everybody ignore that when it happened? Somehow that wasn't in your mind, a fulfillment of that? And yet what happened right afterwards? Well, should I be blunt? I mean, you think it was coincidence what happened there when Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated? Well, Benjamin Netanyahu was flaring up the nationalism again? Inside of Israel, and then lo and behold, next thing you know, Yitzhak Rabin is shot. Well, you ought to get a load out of what the Mossad's got to say concerning that assassination, because I'll tell you this right now. That secret comes out into the light for the, all the nations to hear. Boy, oh boy, folks, are things going to get ugly, but I think we got a lot of that going on lately. A lot of investigations into leaders worldwide. And if these things were to come out and for everybody to see, oh man, oh man. But that's what everybody's convinced themselves of, that America's going to come under judgment because, um, let's see here, what are some of the other ones I've heard thrown around? Because of the actions of the unsaved folks, he deals with his house first. Always has. It's just you confused yourself to think anything but. So is that really what this eclipse coming up here is pointing out in tandem with what's happening in September? Why has everybody forgotten the fact that five years previous to this, that Jews worldwide called out for Messiah? Somehow, they just ignore that as well. I mean, what other details do we have in here? Because, boy, oh boy, isn't it interesting how we've also got... Well, I mean, what is this here? Verse 18. For I know their works and their thoughts, the time is coming to gather all nations. Well, guess what, folks? That's that same word again. All nations. 
and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. I will set a sign among them and will send, what does it say? Survivors from them to the nations. Tarshish, Put, which is Libya, Lud, Meshach and Tubal, and Javan to the distant coastlands that have neither heard my fame nor seen my glory, and they will declare my glory among the nations. Then they shall bring all your brethren from all the nations as a grain offering to the Lord on horses, chariots, and litters, on mules, and on camels to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the sons of Israel bring their grain offerings in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord, I will also take some of them for priests and Levites. For just as the new heavens and new earth, I've heard people say that that's never going to happen. Or they tried to say that happens right after Christ comes back. Which I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so your offspring and your name will endure. You've got, let's see here, previous to this. What do we got here? For behold, the Lord will come in fire and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For the Lord will execute judgment by fire and by his sword on all flesh and those slain by the Lord will be many. Now, folks, you should already understand what this is talking about, where this is coming up in Revelation. But they'll try to confuse you and tell you all kinds of other stuff. I mean, I do find it ironic they're doing it again. Um, the sequence they're trying to compare to Joel. It just astonishes me, everybody. How is it that you've allowed yourselves to be confused by these people? I mean, I, that's more or less adding commentary on top of what you are already stating, Matthew, because I didn't really see the point of adding or taking away from anything you said because there was no point. You said everything that needed to be said. It's right there. It's always right there, right in front of your face. If you just look at it, it really is. It's always right there if you just look at it. Just take the time to look at it. You'll see it. I mean, Brian, can't you bear – maybe we ought to do that. Maybe we ought to do that for everybody. Brian, riddle me this. Did you have a remote clue as to what the Hebrew or the Greek said? Did you look at that at all before uh, you and I got together? Yeah, I started before that time frame. A little bit, not near as much, but... Now, I mean, now wait a minute. I mean, Let me clarify. Let me clarify. 
Did you look at the Strong's numbers, or did you actually look at the retext? Or were you just reading the Strong's numbers like everybody else? I would have worked with the simple paper and, you know, according to their numbering, according to their strong system, and so on and so forth. I mean, that's about the extent of it. So you you start at the same place everybody else that's listening to this broadcast. You're saying that's where you started. And how long has it been since you and I got together? How many years has that been? Has that been 20 or 30? I'd say about six. It's about the beginning of 2011, if memory serves me correctly. But Did I mean, you let, me, hear that? let me interject something there quick, too. I mean, folks, don't you understand that why I started having so many problems in the modern church institutions is because I read it in a straightforward English first, and I looked around and said, what is everybody talking about? So you're saying... You started at the exact same place they're at. Of course. And in six years? So you're saying that in six years' time, you've become as proficient as you are in Hebrew and Greek. Brian, it didn't take you 20 or 30 years, and I'm sorry, but you have never – here, let me ask you this. Have you ever studied under a rabbi for Hebrew? Ever? No. Okay, do you know, let me ask you this, do you even know, can you give me one name of one orthodox scholar that taught you to be proficient in Greek? Just one. No. No, you can't. So, so do you think what has happened to you in the past six years, would you call that miraculous? Or would you call that, well, just normal events over the past six years? You just wanted to do it, so you did it. Which one is it? Is it a miracle or not? I'd say it's twofold. You have to put in the work for the miraculous to come about. If you don't do one without the other, it's not just going to poof, magically appear. How have I learned what I have? I got in there. Started working at it on a continual basis. That's the only way you can do it. Not turn on the TV at night to throw on the football game or whatever garbage might be on. No. By sitting down and diligently, diligently working. Well, here. I mean, I just immediately comes to mind, and I'm, I'm sorry about that. But this immediately comes to my mind, and, and I'll... Ladies and gentlemen, this is what Christ your king said. He said, ask and it shall be given you seek. Ye shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and him that asketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or, what man is there of you, whom, if your son asks for bread... Would give him a stone. Or, if he asked a fish, will you give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to get 
give good gifts to your children, how much more so shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask of him? So, ladies and gentlemen, I, I guess I guess I would have to say that Brian is both determination and miracle. When I found Brian, that's what he wanted to know. I mean, somewhere on some hard drive backup, I think I even have Brian and I's first private conversation. And that's exactly what he was saying to me. Well, they say this, and that don't make no sense to me. What, what does it really say? Well, ladies and gentlemen, Brian don't need, need me no more. He knows right where to go, and he can look, and if he wants to, I mean, if he wanted to really hear it, he could go find a Greek or Hebrew, you know, uh, translation service and, and listen to it, do exactly what God said out of either side of his mouth, Hebrew or Greek. But he don't need me no more. Because, well, honey, Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus wasn't lying. He wasn't lying in Matthew chapter 7. He was telling you the truth. If you ask him for good gifts, do you know what good is? Did you know that going to the Super Bowl is not good for you? That's not good for you. It never was. Now, I know this may come to a surprise to all of you, but going to Paris to see the Eiffel Tower, that's not good for you. It's not, it's not good for you. It's really not. I mean, we, we, we could talk about how many Christians really did want a motorcycle. They saved up their own money. They bought that motorcycle and then became a human torpedo for a split second before they found themselves in Hades. And I know all of you think that a nice brand spanking new uh, crotch rocket, I don't know what they call them anymore. They used to be called ninjas, I guess. Or uh, what's some of those Harley Davidson? Uh, a fat tail or a soft tail? Oh, for Pete's sake, it's like it matters to me. I know you think in your mind that's good. It's not. That's, that's not good for you. But Brian asked for a good gift, and he does not need me anymore. So, you may think that you cannot handle the Hebrew and the Greek. Oh, yes, you can. Yeah, you can. Because that's a good gift you should ask for. And if you ask him for it, he'll give it to you. That's all I got to say about the matter. It, it really is. Brian is literally, and oh my goodness, Lord have mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what kind of shape you're in, Brian is absolute living proof because he came from the occult. So don't give me this, I don't even want to hear it about, well, I'm a bartender, so I so God won't do that. Or, well, I used to be a prostitute, God won't do that. Bull. I don't even want to hear it. Uh, 
I don't want to hear it. This is a good gift you should ask for. And by the way, that's what the Spirit of Truth has solely been provided to do. That seventh Spirit of Truth, that's been exclusively given to you so you will know what is to come. That's the whole reason why. Um, with that in mind, uh, the switchboard's telling me we've got 10 seconds left, so let's get Brian's final comments, or at least his last 15 minutes worth. How about that? But, ladies and gentlemen, I know you think that, you know, uh, you've been studying this your whole life, Matthew, but freak, that's not fair, that's not fair, that's not fair. Well, I'm here to tell you it is fair because. Brian really has got a good gift from God because he asked for it, and he sought for it, and guess what? It was given to him. So I don't want to hear it. Yes, you can. And based upon this huge deception you've all underwent, listening to the beating of somebody else's drums for themselves should have you shocked to at least start taking a look. At not what the Strong says, you want to get a hold of those original manuscripts and look at them to make sure that's what the Strong says. Brian, your uh, last 15 minutes of thoughts, please. Well, I would say that therein lies the largest issue. And, I, you know, for Pete's sakes, I can't even get people around here to read the English. They would much rather do who knows what you know, spin away playing little games on their phones and tablets and then watching whatever entertainment of, like, America's Got Talent or some kind of nonsense. You can't even get them to sit down and read the English. They'll try to tell you it's bored, boring, and I'm going, um, really? Because if you even fathomed a minuscule amount of what was in there, that, those words would have never come out of your mouth. But the people that do sit down and read it, making matters worse, they turn around and go out and listen to, um, you know, say maybe three, five, ten, whatever it may be, of the uh, bad shepherds. And when they start to see something, then they clearly get confused all over again, and it just goes back to square one. I mean, folks, I'm in the midst of a massive undertaking of going over this last 120 years of history with a fine-tooth comb, trying to put these pieces together back into something that makes sense. And bring forward pieces concerning this every other week. And it does, at first, kind of start rattling your mind. But if you don't have a foundation within the word, even at least in the plain English, you're not going to be able to see what's going on. And you're not going to be able to see the fact that these people are going out of their way to mislead you. And that's literally what it is. You know, Matthew just pointed out previous, the, um, you know, one of the infamous ones I've heard them running around in these circles coming out of their mouths is about Abraham's children and how somehow that discludes 
anybody outside of Israel. And they've used this as a pretense to, for instance, bash on the Arabic people and the Islamic folks when the first and foremost thing at the front of your mind should have been reaching them as opposed to hating them. And, you know, for instance, we talked about that word earlier about goyim or goy. Go over to Genesis 17 and take another look again and get back to me and tell me how it is that it's supposed to be your chief goal to hate all these people. Because, you know, God sent his only begotten son so that the whole of the world may be saved then why have you allowed these things into your mind to think that it's acceptable to hate all these other people? Or how have you let these ideas come into your mind, for instance, that, you know, here here was a knuckleheaded statement that I heard made by a person around here that I no longer have anything to do with. Well, there's some hidden secret to wealth that we need to reopen again because you're so concerned about money and you somehow think that that's the measure of what. And they've got all this nonsense just floating around out there, folks, and all it takes, you could spend, let's say you decided to sit down for maybe 30 to 45 minutes per day, and just read in English. Go through the whole Bible, turn around, do it again. I mean, just in that alone, just going through the English a few times, they can't pull the wool over your eyes. How many of you out there are willing to actually do that? You'd much rather pull up, you know, some of these infamous YouTube videos and let them drop just absolute nonsense out of their mouths because that's what it is it's nonsense one of the biggest videos i see multiple people now quoting from i heard one statement come out of his mouth at the very beginning that made me go good grief are you delusional when all the facts are contrary to just one simple statement of what he stated but that's what they do folks they build mythologies They take the historical framework of what really happened and they twist it and they turn it into a myth. Nobody looks into it and they believe it. And as a matter of fact, they're doing that to you with the news. They're completely twisting the narrative to give you what you want to hear out of either a left side or a right side. You know, the infamous bias and they pitch you against one another and divide you and then everybody runs around and fights about it. Can we bring that up about brother against brother? And that's literally what they're doing. And there's not really much of an excuse for it. You know, a lot of these tools, for instance, even as Matthew brought up, you can go to the library simply enough. Those of you that have a phone, you can get all kinds of free programs or, you know, iPhone, I think you pay like 99 cents. You can get a halfway decent one. Tablets, same thing. Computers, you can get tons of free software. There's websites you can go to that are completely constructed to work with the Hebrew and the Greek. And all it does is it takes a little bit of work. Next thing you know, all of a sudden your eyes start to open up. 
I'm going to tell you something right now, though, folks. There was a first step I had to take before any of this happened. And this is the biggest problem I see most of all. People don't fear the Lord. If you don't fear him, you're going to be locked out. And it's that simple because when you don't fear him, you start running around and just saying nonsense and bashing on people. That's what I see on a continual basis. Nonsense, bashing on people. Brother against brother. I mean, that's that's my piece for the time here, and I'll let Matthew chime in for a few seconds before we go. Thanks for joining us, folks. God bless. I did want to address a question posed by uh, my group, End Time Tribune, on Facebook. They wanted to know about Isaiah chapter 66, verse 3. They saw strange things there. Well, of course they did, because there, for one, you can plainly see in the Septuagint uh, 2965. Now, because this is in the singular masculine case, ladies and gentlemen, That is, of course, Kenya. That's dog. Um, you can plainly go to the Greek. Okay, the Greek Wikipedia. You can. It's el.wikipedia.org. And look that up. And ah, yes, that's going to point you one of two places. Either Kenneth, which is plural, in your tongue. Or Sirius, the dog star. And there's one thing else I want to point out that maybe she didn't see. That uh, there is, well, prophetically speaking, it's really intriguing. Because there, it will tell you... Uh, in the Septuagint, uh, that it's G2380, you know, to to smoke along that lines. But, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sitting here looking at that because it's spelled that way. Ladies and gentlemen, the closest spelling you can get to that is Thomas. I hope you realize that. That's the closest Greek word to that. and Well, that means twin. So, anyway, uh, just some tidbits there that you all might want to really tear that verse apart and find out what God's really saying there as far as celestial somology is concerned. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can find Brian and I on uh, Twitter. Brian is over at Attention Show. Uh, on Facebook, we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Uh, get on over there and, and start asking questions. We do love riddles, the Ecclesia and I. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. God bless. Godspeed.